0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic to cosplay to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. We are wrapping up horror, which makes me sad, but also I think there's a part of me that's probably like, okay... You need to take a break from watching so much horror. that will last for about a week, and then I'll go back to it again, (laughs) since it's my favorite genre. But we are wrapping things up with a discussion about us. Sadly, we were supposed to have Tiff and Carla on, but both of them aren't on. But we have two great panelists. Bex is returning, who has been on before, who was on our Superstore episode and also one night of our horror trivia. And then her co-host for their podcast, Big Reputations Podcast, Kimberly is on as well. So I'm really excited to have both of them on. So, But before I have them introduce themselves and tell me one thing they're into right now in pop culture, just a quick note that we are available on Patreon right now. I promise, since this is dropping Friday, that our bonus Lucifer episode talking about the series finale, I promise that will be up there. I I apologize. I, That's an extra episode that I've been trying to edit, and I'm just... My life is so, 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 so busy. I can't even begin to explain to you listeners what my life is like. So I apologize, but I I am determined that we'll be up, here, up there by now. You would have heard a preview, but if you want to hear the full episode and hear all our thoughts on the finale, you want to become a Patreon supporter. So head on over to the link in our show notes or go to any of our social media and click on Linktree and the link is in there so bex what are you into right now okay uh, this is an easy one easy one and
2: i don't know if it'll <laughs> i'll be able to come up with something else in the future but ted lasso absolutely 110 <laughs> percent ted lasso obsessed have watched it through three and a half times now um listen to three different podcasts about it listen to brett goldstein's podcast called films to be buried with Uh, not all of his because there's like hundreds of episodes but um i've listened to a handful of those uh i even am i've made some new fandom friends in that realm and one of them is doing like a book club coach beard's book club so it's going through all the books that appear in the show and um yeah, we just did Dharma Bums, and that's a terrible book. I did not like it at all. <laughs> but there you go. Ted Lasso, absolutely
1: obsessed. Can't help it. <laughs> this is the third time within the last month that that show has been recommended. And as we mm-hmm. stated, and it was because of Bex, and I actually <laughs> stated on the episode, we will be doing an episode covering Ted Lasso next year, yes. because there was no way I could fit it in this year but we are going to do it next year. And I think the panel is already full. (laughs) (laughs) She's going to sneak her way in there for sure. She's already on there. (laughs) I'm (laughs) one of them. (laughs) She suggested it first. She's already on there. Yep. Yep. And Kimberly, I'm so glad to have you on. Thank you for coming on. Hopefully it's the first of many. Uh, So what are you into right now?
0: I am very into you on Netflix if you know about it, but it's uh, yes. Joe Goldberg, he's a hopeless romantic slash murderer. <laughs> um, I just love that show so much because it's like all these horrible things happen and he's so close to getting caught and it always just wraps itself up in like the most perfect bow. But something's happening now that's more interesting. Um, there's a thing happening on Twitter between him, uh, Penn Badgley, Cardi B, and Netflix. They've all decided they love each other, so there's lots of tweets happening back and forth. Cardi B's default picture is Penn Badgley and Penn Badgley's picture is Cardi B's. Netflix is doing, um, they're putting like Cardi B lyrics to photos of clips from the show. And it's just like a whole nother world happening there. And it's like, I love all those things. So them together is like, the fandom's expanding. It's it's awesome. I love it so much.
1: Thank you so much for saying that because I was wondering why Penn Badgley and (laughs) why you as well, I was like, yeah. what's going on? And I didn't look too hard to find out, mm-hmm. but we actually did talk about you. We heard, we talked about the first two seasons of you last year and the stalking for love trope that I mm-hmm. think that thing is, is calling out. And I actually was gonna mention you as mine too, because oh, I finished nice. you yesterday. I, I will say, I don't like the third season as much as the first two seasons. Oh no. say that, no. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm like, I, I have a hard time you know, I don't. Did you finish the whole thing? I did finish it, yes. Okay. I'm not going to say the full spoilers, but I'm just going to yeah. say I have a hard time with the fact that there's going to be a fourth season because I don't know what else they're going
0: to do.
1: Well, I'm it feels like, like they're okay. going to
0: start over. They have yeah. to. Like, they have this yeah. whole, like, it's kind of similar to Dexter where, like, he gets this yeah. family. And I feel like that's when Dexter, like, got kind of crappy. But now, I mean, that's a that spoiler. I'm invested. And <laughs> also, like, it's. Oh, yeah. He kind of has a clean slate. So, like, We can start all over and it's going to be, I'm excited for what they're going to do with the fourth season. Yeah,
2: I just wanted to comment that there's like a a trend here. We've got some, it's all about pronouns today. We're talking about (laughs) us and your favorite show (laughs) is you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. Yeah. And well, Dexter, We'll be premiering this next Sunday, the new season. Which I, I'm excited. I'm try- I, I know I should be tampering my expectations, but I don't care. The original showrunner's back, and Michael C. Hall. Okay. And just being able to watch Michael C. Hall again as Dexter—that's all I care about. <laughs>
0: I'm just I'm worried that last season was it it was atrocious so disappointing and I loved Dexter so I'm Mm -hmm. I don't know I think I'm gonna wait and see what people think about it before I start watching it because I just I don't want to be disappointed again but I'm excited and Michael C. Hall is great yeah I would love to see Uh him do something but I don't know I'm worried
1: I'm I'm, I'm cautious yeah I'm I'm being too optimistic and I'm not an optimistic person but (laughs) we'll see Okay, well, let's get into us, the other pronoun that we're talking. About. <laughs> That's so funny. So, I want to first go around and just get everybody's impressions of the film, like your first impressions.
2: Yeah, you know, I I was really looking forward to it when it came out because I had loved Get Out so much that I was like, oh, this is this is going to be amazing. I didn't I didn't know if they were in any way connected. I didn't really look up anything about it in advance. I wanted to go into it, kind of blindly just to just to fully appreciate it you know i will say you know i i loved it i loved when we walked out of the theater my husband and i went to see it together we just like we took all this time breaking down like well what about here and he he doesn't believe me but from the very first therapy scene when the mom said she's not my little girl i was suspicious i really Oh, really? thought like they had switched places but then i kind of forgot about it as the film went on because all these other things were happening and then when they were did the i mean people listening to this this isn't spoiler free right <laughs> oh,
1: spoil- oh, <laughs> plus this is yeah. i mean this movie's a few years old if you right. haven't seen it it's on you <laughs> exactly it, i don't mean the show you <laughs> you know I,
2: I just i knew something was up and like I don't know when they revealed that at the end i was like i knew it i knew it but you know i didn't want to say anything early because first of all we're seeing it in the theater so i don't want to be like making comments but also like it's not fun to spoil those things the downside to that is you no one believes you <laughs> when, when you get to the end you're like i knew that was coming but i mean i guess i didn't know but i was i was definitely uh suspicious of that moment so
0: I have the same feelings. I was very suspicious, yeah. but I'm the opposite. I have to let you know if I'm right. So I said to my <laughs> now husband, I was like, I think that they switch places. Like, I let him know right away. I don't care if I ruined it for him. I needed to let him know that I was going to be right. So I'm the opposite in, in that world.
1: <laughs> That's funny. So you're like, I'm going to be right. And then you yeah. were, was it like. <laughs>
0: I was right. But I was like. It, I was right, but I wasn't happy that I was right. <laughs> but I oh, was right. you weren't
1: happy you were right? Yeah. Oh. So so what were your first impressions of the film then overall, Kimberly?
0: So like before seeing it, I was just very excited that there were so many dark Black people on screen. Like, that was amazing. And I was very mm-hmm. excited for it. While I was watching it, there wasn't a lot of jump scares. I liked that the the horror and the fear of it was just more of a sense of dread than, you know, being like a gory horror film.
1: Yeah, and I mean, my first impressions, I mean, I was excited to see the theater. I didn't get to see Get Out in the theater. So I was excited to see this. I think Jordan Peele is an amazing horror filmmaker. Mm -hmm. And like I've said, that's my favorite genre. So I was excited to see it. Uh, It was was a packed theater and it was interesting watching uh, the audience's reaction to it and the reactions to the twist at the end as well. I didn't suspect it from the beginning. I guess I'm, (laughs) I'm, I don't know. (laughs) No, no, I think I I think towards the end, like the last when the last interaction between the tether and her, and between and then the way that whole thing played out, I was like, Oh, they switched, bet they switched, right? And then so it was kind of like, I didn't know, I wasn't sure, and then that being revealed, it made sense. And I will say, I I have a fear of rabbits as. Really? <laughs> it was so weird. It's like the only animal, like sharks don't scare me, snakes don't scare me, bunnies are scary. <laughs> and so the whole opening shot of just their, <laughs> full of their red eyes. Yes, <laughs> that was <a> terrifying. <laughs> and I had
2: totally forgot about them by the time we got back to the underground. I was like, oh, oh really? right, the bunnies at the beginning. But of course, <laughs> I'm not afraid of bunnies. So
1: it's <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit different for you. <laughs> it's a ridiculous fear i understand i'm afraid of
2: goats so it's (laughs) it's fine i am like petrified of goats and their beady little eyes
1: (laughs) that's what it is with bunnies i'm like they have beady little eyes so many people are so many things and creatures are like predators and can get them so i think they will they want to eventually take over and get us humans (laughs) like like (laughs) bunicula Did you yes. ever read that Panicula? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. There, there are lots of things that kind of well, I had I was bitten by a rabbit when I was oh, really no. young. So I think that's kind of a goat <laughs> tried to eat my hair. See, See? these are rational fears, <laughs> rational fears. They are rational, yes. <laughs> yeah, very rational. Yes, yes. Uh, but yeah, but I, I loved it. I love the score, I loved the use yeah. of music, and you know, especially uh in one particular scene, I don't know if we want to get to it now, but just the, the scene when, when um, Elizabeth Moss's character is like, call the police.
0: Oh my God, yes.
1: Play, uh, <laughs> play Fuck the Police by N.W.A. <laughs> that was like the most perfect. <laughs> that was just
0: betraying her. That was so great.
1: It was. I We were laughing so hard in the theater at that scene. So that yeah. was great.
2: That, that, I would say that moment actually surprised me more than the reveal that They had switched places. That really, there was more tethered, yes, than just her family. Mm -hmm. So,
0: yeah, that one, I was like, oh, wait, they're gonna die. (laughs) I definitely, I let out a gasp, and it felt like a different movie. Like when the twins are on the balcony, Mm -hmm. and then the bear killers show up behind them, I was just like, what is happening? This is a different movie now because I really thought it was just this family. Now yeah. it's like it's everywhere. Oh my god! Like it, it became a different movie. It like leveled up for me at that moment.
1: Yeah, that's 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 a good point. Yeah, because that you don't know that really because no. you have no clue what's going on completely. And I mean, it just keeps building and building, and you keep learning more and more about it. Yeah. So I want to talk about the Wilson family, and I want to get your overall impressions on the Wilson family, Bex, and your favorite of them too. You can say.
2: Oh, I I mean. <laughs> Well, let me talk about them in general. So first, one of the things that we were really, we talked about after we left the film was this idea of portraying an an upper middle class black family, right? That it, so classism doesn't really come into play in the same way that it might in, in other horror films, right? They're college educated, they've inherited this summer home, right? They have this like keeping up with the Joneses or, the Tyler's as it were <laughs> um, you know <laughs> it's this idea that like success is sort of measured in and not necessarily physical objects but there's sort of a, an economic uh, connection hmm. to success and I think this shows through most with Gabe the father right? Like he, he's walking around with his Howard sweatshirt. So, you know, like he's not just college educated. He went to an HBCU. This is, and, and that's like one of the top ones as far as I understand it. Right. You know, but he is really kind of, I don't, I don't think he gets it even more than the kids don't get it, but he's like, let's set some like home alone style traps. And like, it's, it's too it's too (laughs) out of his reality to to even grasp that it could be real he's like i don't know what to do home alone Uh, let's try that you know (laughs) like obviously adelaide knows what's going on or at least is super suspicious of what's going on Mm -hmm. and everything um but yeah i mean i he's the hottest one yeah <laughs> uh he's pretty dreamy especially with those glasses on but <laughs>
1: there's
2: something about a man with glasses <laughs> on <that's> pretty- <laughs> i know a shame my my husband has 2020 vision but uh <laughs> 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 but i would say my favorite family member is is jason the son uh because he's really the smartest one that isn't aware of what's actually going on right like obviously mm-hmm. adelaide knows what she knows but he's really observant Mm
0: -hmm. he's
2: the one who says they're us Mm -hmm. yeah he's the one who like takes the kid to play in the closet and realizes that they're doing like these mirror mimicking things and then locks Mm -hmm. him in the closet and like has like he's the smart one (laughs) yeah so and and of course like him knowing the truth at the end like Mm We don't get to know if if um, Zora and Gabe ever learn about no. No. the underground, but Jason knows, and mm-hmm. and that look that they exchange at the end—I think that's like whew, the most
1: unsettling part for me of the whole
2: movie. But I sorry, agree. we'll get to that. We'll get to that later.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I because I do agree, and I do definitely want to talk about that. Yeah. And here, Billy, your overall thoughts on the Wilson family, and do you have a favorite?
0: My favorite—it has to be Gabe, just because. Wilson Duke is amazing, but I really liked this family and they were really believable as a family. I don't think I've liked a family as much since like Poltergeist, like the one with Joe Beth Williams. Um,
3: Yeah. It
0: was a really relatable family. They talked to their kids like they were little adults, like their kids were just really chill. They weren't stereotypical. Like the little sister like didn't always like, the sister didn't always like the little brother, but she stood up for him when like the twins were on the beach making fun of him. Like they're just a really... Good family. I really enjoyed mm-hmm. them. Yeah, I liked how believable they were. Um, it did like how Gabe was just such a man in that scene where um, the family comes in he's offering them the boat and the wallet. And like, she's late, Red is laying out this whole plan and he's just like, excuse me, um, we can give you money. And it's like, that's not what <laughs> this is about. Yeah, But he's just like trying so hard. Yeah, so he's mm-hmm. definitely my favorite. He's just such a, a goofy dad. And I really liked that. Like how excited he is about his crawdaddy boat and going to the yeah. beach, trying to <laughs> rally everybody. Like he's trying so hard. He's such a good, lovable dad. It felt very almost kind of 80s, like this happy mm-hmm. dad who just wanted to be there for his family.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And especially his, he has the best dad jokes. <laughs> so <Yeah. I'm> like, <laughs> you don't need the internet. You've got the outer internet. <laughs> <laughs> And, yeah, the scene of him on the boat mm-hmm. and just watching the face of his family, like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> like, again <laughs> with him. He's like, he's but, like, you get that the, it's not just vacation, but, like, he's always yes. like that. But you
2: can yeah. also see that they they still love him and they still, What's like, that? they're amused by him more yeah. than anything, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, there's dad being dad again. And, yeah, yeah. it's just. Like when he turns around and scares them all in the car because they've fallen asleep. Like all that. I can see my dad having done that kind of stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I like that. What you said, Kim, about him being relatable. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And he's such a good. You could tell he's a really good father and he's such a dork. And I mean that as a compliment. I think Mm -hmm. I love seeing that with men being more portrayed like that, I think is nicer sometimes. I mean, like even when he's lying in bed, like you know, you know, he wants he wants to have sex. You could tell, <laughs> and he's like, just the way he's lying there is really kind of dorky, but so yeah. sweet and endearing at the same time. In that like, bed, I want to go. That, how he's like 6'5". five? Where was she going to sleep? Like he that's so <laughs> big on that
0: bed. It was so comical. There's no space for her i mean i assume
2: I that know. was like like her childhood be- not her childhood bit but because that was like her mom's summer home or something yeah, like that it right was her
1: family um,
2: yeah so yeah it was definitely like it was not a queen-size bed even no no and
1: he just looks so comical in it like he's
2: just yeah. such a big
1: dude yeah yeah and and The home alone line just scratched me up. It also made me feel super old when the kids are like, what's home alone? Oh, yeah. That's when I questioned their parenting, though. How do their
0: (laughs) kids not know home alone? They're at least like, what is their girl, like maybe 14, 13? Like they should know home alone.
2: I mean, see, here's the thing where I get thrown off with that is my brothers are 15 and 18. And they are familiar with those movies like the the 80s movies but why because they have siblings who are in their late 30s and 40s like my parents are they were young parents for the the two of us but they're old parents for the two of them and so they would show them like back to the future and home alone and ghostbusters and my brother used to call the first tron movie tron the original classic because apparently there's a remake so he called it the original classic but like still he had seen it right so yeah I mean parents show the show the nostalgia movies to your kids
1: (laughs) it's just good educational entertainment you got to show those old movies exactly exactly yeah And, and we're gonna get into the performances soon because I think it's hard to talk about Adelaide without talking about the performance because what is being done here is just is just incredible. So we're going to talk about that in, in a little bit because it, it should have been nominated for an Academy Award. Mm-hmm. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, I
2: actually looked I was like, was this nominated? I feel like this should have been nominated. What?
1: Well, no, yeah, she should have been.
2: Genre films often get left out of that, unfortunately. Yeah, they really but. don't like
1: horror. Yep, they don't, unfortunately. But she really should have been. I mean, because it's just... It, what Lupita does with this is just because she's playing two parts. Yeah, I mean, everybody is playing two parts. So Yeah, but she's
2: really but she's playing really two parts. Play,
1: she's almost playing three parts if you really break it down in a way. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, yeah, and I love the kids. I love Jason, too. I agree on Jason. And, you know, watching Jason in the scene when they're in the car and Adelaide is outside of the car and Jason's tether is standing there. And you watch Jason watch his tether and he's like, oh my gosh, it's a trap. And that's when, you know, like he's going to pull out the match and blow up, try to blow up the car. And that was so smart because I think it was also, that also maybe gave you the hint that even though you didn't realize it, you were kind of attached to your tether and you could almost read what they were thinking as well. And then he was so smart to just back up and to make his tether back up. So he's, he's super smart. And I just, and I just think it's a realistic family and it's a f- it's it's nice to see that, and it's nice. also, you know, we're spoiling the whole thing. that none of them die. I just think that was a really nice thing too to see. So. But I do think it's also
2: interesting the order in which they're tethered die, and that kind of shows you something about the strength and weakness of the above ground family members. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, Gabe is the weakest link of the family his tether is the first to go. I mean, he's not weak. Don't get me wrong. Like he puts up a good fight and he, but he is the one, you know, as we talked about who like really just doesn't get it the most. Um, So I think, I think there's something with, with that too. I don't know. I just made that connection now as you were talking,
0: but I'm going to stick with it. There's something that the tethered don't have, like the, both of them have like the muscle, like they're physically strong, but Gabe is clever. So that's yeah. how he gets him in the boat. He puts a thing around his, the rope around his ankle. Like he remembers that the boat leans. Like that's how he gets out of that situation. Cause he's clever. And like the tethered aren't, but they have their same like physical buildup.
1: Right. Yeah. That's very, very true. Yeah. Because it's like, and we're getting into the tether. We're going to get into the tether now because it is very much like they do have all that physical strength, but being down where they were in those underground tunnels, which you know, I didn't realize there were so many underground tunnels. That's really (laughs) creepy, right?
0: Like
2: we live in a place
1: with
0: subways, but like abandoned subway (laughs) stations, too. And there's just so my husband is a uh, transit operator, so he has to go through the train stations and he's shown me videos that he's taken just of all these abandoned stations that we just stopped using like chairs. like It looks like people just left it like their crew rooms. It's spooky. Um, I would never, I couldn't do it. I'm like, how do you just walk through here? And he's like, you have to. And I'm like, you don't. Like, I wouldn't. There's no way. <laughs> it's very creepy. You don't. You can find you know, another job. You can find another job. I, that would be the day I quit, I think, when they're like, okay, just walk through this <laughs> tunnel and uh, get to the other side. And there's just like all these crew rooms. <laughs> yeah. It's, and I'm like, there could be people living down there because they're, they're spacious. And we just, no one goes down there besides train operators every once in a while. So. It's very creepy. And there's lots of abandoned things in New York City.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. And we're just a tiny little island. (laughs) Right? Yeah. I mean, there's lots of abandoned things here, too, that we, yeah. And I mean, there's
3: also,
1: yeah, well, there's also, like, where I grew up as a kid, it was actually a place that very much like Poltergeist, except for it wasn't suburban at all. Was built over a cemetery. There's this huge area in Colorado. This is real. No, thank and you. And they didn't move a lot of the bodies. So. Oh, gosh. <laughs> of course they I didn't. Know. Because why would they? That's horrible. Yeah, it was a whole you thing. You moved about...
0: the headstones, but you didn't <laughs> yeah. move the bodies. I
2: <laughs> 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 yeah. have to go watch Poltergeist. Oh, man. I haven't
1: seen that in such
0: a long time. And
2: then go back and listen to uh, It's a Fandom Thing yeah, episode on Poltergeist because yeah. it was a good one.
1: <laughs> thank you. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> Yeah, that's the very first horror movie I ever saw at like six years old. I think six it's six the
2: first one I saw, but I was not six. I think I was at <laughs> least twelve,
1: maybe ten. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I had great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's talk about the tethered. So, Bex, what are your thoughts on the tethered?
2: Well, I love the tethered as a name because, and then you've got the scissors as the visual. Like, it's not like mm-hmm. they're they actually have to use scissors to cut the tie between them even if it they're stabbing one another but I, I just really love the idea that everyone has a tethered which is so creepy especially when she's describing that like the government made these doppelgangers to like control the people above ground right and mm-hmm. uh, so it was like they were their puppets but then they're like "Nah, this isn't working and they just give up but it really talks about like you can be the exact same person, but you don't have the same opportunities and this is what will happen to you. Right. Yeah. You know, like I said before, I was shocked when I learned that they were tethered for more than just the family because uh, watching it back a second time recently I picked up on the, the homeless man with the Jeremiah 1111. Yeah but i didn't get that the first time i just was like oh that's creepy he was dead and now he's not or is it an illusion is it like at the that was really early in the movie so i hadn't really figured any of any of that out like hadn't picked up on the the red jumpsuit thing you know uh, one thing i picked up on rewatching was that um i'm, I'm going to say addie but the above ground version of her <laughs> yeah that she had the same grunting and panting patterns as the tethered did when she was killing them. And I, again, I didn't pick up on that the first time and it was like, Oh, that's another indicator that she was actually like that. They actually swapped and everything, you know, and my other theory about the, uh, the Jeremiah eleven eleven guy is that he's kind of like Addy, um where the real version of him got trapped underground and the tethered one, is the one that existed on top because of the way he's smiling when he's just standing there i was like oh what if his tethered had done the same thing to him that addy's tethered had uh. done and, like um, i mean maybe it's just a, a strange head but i i just i don't know i'm i think that's really like the freakiest thing doppelgangers are super creepy
1: <laughs> yes.
2: and to know that like especially you see that scene where. All the motions that they're going through are the exact same motions. They just don't have access to like the people pretending to be on a roller coaster. They're going through the same motions and the screaming, but they're not getting the like endorphins of the actual ride and the, the enjoyment of it. I don't know. It it's so it's so creepy, but it's also like that simultaneous, like s- how sterile it is in the underground. Uh, i i i don't know I have, i'm really having a hard time articulating this one but they just like the tethered as a concept just really blows me away i think it's fantastic
1: yeah i agree yeah it's a really good concept yeah kim
0: yeah. yeah um i love the idea of being at war with yourself like um mm-hmm. zora the daughter when she has to like take off and run her doppelganger starts like stretching cuz it's like guess what i'm a runner too so it's like mm-hmm. how do you how do you? They know all your tricks. Like, how do you win? Like, I just think the the concept of the tethered is is so amazing. It added a a sense of helplessness. Like, you don't want to kill yourself. Basically, that's mm-hmm. what they had to do. Right? They had to to kill versions of themselves. But this person knows everything that you know. They're just not as good as at it. Like, I think of the scene with um, Gabe's counterpart where he's pushing like fake glasses on his face. Yeah he doesn't have that you know and then when he takes the glasses it's like whoa this is a whole different world like i can do more things now and i do wonder if they would have had a little bit more of a head start how more successful they would have been
2: Mm -hmm. Hmm.
0: yeah yeah Yeah. i mean
2: so much of it ties to that like i don't know i mean we'll we'll talk about it probably a little bit more uh when we get into like what it's saying but like Mm -hmm. there's just so much about what access you have being yeah. a huge part
1: of the story.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean there's so much under there's so many different ways you could analyze The Tethered. I mean there's also a good argument to be said that you know the way they had to live their life is horrible and terrible because it's like, you know, there was no real living. It was just being underground, not being able to see the sun, not being able to see the sky. And having to just eat rabbits and then having to just, you know, basically not have your own being, um, your own agency. And so I think that's a lot of what they're also trying to say is you see that, especially with, with Adelaide. And of course, once the reveal is revealed, you really see that. Where it's like, you know, she was the above ground person and she gets trapped down there and then she becomes the tethered and the tethered becomes the above ground person. And so that whole thing of having agency and what you do to get agency and then also being at war with yourself i think a lot of us in real life are at war with ourselves constantly you have your brain your mind can be an evil thing honestly it can tell you horrible things it can you know that's where your self doubt is you can always be battling with it so you could also say the tethered represent that so it's this, it's so interesting cuz you can analyze it on so many different levels And I know the Jeremiah thing was analyzed a lot when this movie first came out. I know right after I saw it with my sister and my sister like, okay, we're going to look this up and just see what this has to do with it. You know? So it's that kind of thing where it's, where this is a movie that I think takes more than one viewing and even more than two viewings. I think there's a lot of stuff going on that you might not pick up on. Like the fact that when there, when um, I've got five on it is playing, and when Adelaide's doing the snapping her fingers and she's not on rhythm at all. And that's just so interesting just because of the twist at the end. <laughs> you don't oh, know if that yeah. has anything to do with it, but it mm-hmm. just kind of could be a little hint that's thrown in there. You know? that, def- oh, I, I, missed
2: yeah, that I missed that one that. this time <laughs> around too, but I like that.
1: Yeah. I remember that was actually analyzed a lot when the trailer dropped and that scene was in there as people were mm. like, isn't it weird that she's not actually snapping on rhythm there she's saying to to her son to do that but then she's not doing it is what's that a hint about i just so it's interesting to watch it too oh yeah yeah."
2: analyzing
1: them (laughs) (laughs) me too me too so that's why i love doing this podcast (laughs) so dive deep well i want to talk about the performances because i think all the performances are amazing i mean lupita is Above and beyond. (laughs) And it's still just such a crime that she was not at least nominated because, I mean, I think people thought there might have been a chance just because Get Out got so many nominations. But again, there's no respect for the genre and stuff. They're like, like
2: you already got your nominations. Horror is done for another (laughs) decade before we give it a nomination.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I could do a whole podcast on that. The disrespect this genre gets is, is mind-blowing when I think this genre says a lot more than a lot of other genres do. But anyway, yeah. we won't get into that. But uh, what are your thoughts overall on the performances? Bex. I mean,
2: you said it, Lupita Nyongo is phenomenal in this film. That just the the roles that she plays, the the voice training that she had to do oh, to yeah. to do Red's voices, like oh. And, and to really sell that, you know, whether that's a consequence of, like, her throat being crushed when they swap places or whether it's uh, probably a combination of that. And, you know, not being able to speak in the underground because that would sort of give away her otherness. Yeah. Um, but just when she does that voice, it's just like, oh, wow. Like, Yes all the nominations, you know, Winston Duke is dreamy. I said that before, mm-hmm. you know, but, um but again, all of them and Elizabeth Moss, all of these actors having to play two roles, you know, they're, they're doing two films at once. Mm-hmm. Really. I mean, it, as a, as an actor, you've got these, these different roles to put on and, and making the characters, have enough in common with one another that you believe them as the same, like that they are tethered to one another yet having enough distinctions that you recognize how, how the underground would have changed uh, their, their interactions with everyone. I mean, I top to bottom, I, there was not a single performance in that film that was like mediocre. It was, it was no. absolutely amazing. Cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And Kim, your thoughts on the performances?
0: I just I loved how physical it was. Like you could feel all the tension in Red's character, like just from the voice and like the one eye just like tearing up while they were speaking. All of it was so intertwined, like the voices, the eyes. I love the choreographed ballet slash like martial arts scene where at the end, like Oh, she should have won all the awards just for that alone. Like, I definitely think it was it was really well done, and it was absolutely terrifying. Their movements were so jerky, and like I guess like it's a very physical thing to have to be that tense, but also fluid at the same time. Like, if that makes sense. Um, I do like what you were saying, Rebecca, about how they still had like characters from like The Tether to Not, like with um, Elizabeth Moss's family, like her husband's still goofy like he does a thing where he's like reaching for her and then he like slides his hand back to swipe his hair like yeah. he's still goofy oh he's like so, uh, yeah no he's 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 terrible like i feel like both versions of him are terrible yeah, I agree. Um, <laughs> but the performance is it's great like this guy the tethered version of him is is goofy and doesn't know why but is still murderous and i just i love the dichotomy of it that they're still themselves but there's a murderous aspect to it
2: so I like that you bring that up because there was this one moment where Elizabeth Moss's character sees or her tethered
0: yeah,
2: sees Mm -hmm. the husband the tethered husband killed and she goes to the window and there's like this silent scream and you don't know at first if it's silent because she's through the window or or if you know she's she can't make a noise or what mm-hmm. and at that moment I thought oh so they're tethered are really like kind of the opposite because uh Pretty red had time. mentioned like it didn't matter if I was in love with you know Abraham I had to be with him because he was connected to who you chose up here and so I thought wow maybe they actually did get along and then she just starts laughing maniacally and I was like oh mm-hmm. no nope, they did not <laughs>
1: Well, and and when she's putting on the makeup, when she's looking in the, oh, that is so creepy. (laughs) creepy. Oh, yeah.
0: She does, Elizabeth Moss does such a good job of being creepy. I kind of, I want a movie where she's just very happy and just has like a wonderful life because every movie she does, like something horrible is happening to her. And she's so good at playing like these broken characters. She's just an amazing actress, but. I want like a nice romantic comedy. Yeah, probably the closest
2: it. we ever got <laughs> yeah. to that was her character in Mad Men. And that's far from yeah. okay. It's <laughs> yeah. far from yeah. okay. But like you at least so. had moments where you're like, mm-hmm. oh, she's happy right now. Yeah. She
1: needs a break from she does. all the torture. She
3: does. She <laughs> she's just goes... so good at it. She's
1: so good at it. She is. She's very, very good at it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is probably why she keeps doing those roles. But mm-hmm. yeah. Put her in a little nice, little lighthearted romantic. Yeah. <laughs> she can do it. Yeah, I mean, just echo. All the performances are great. I want to talk about the kids quickly because, oh my gosh, these two are amazing, amazing actors. Because, especially the creep when they have to play creepy, and it's not like over the top or over dramatic. It's just little subtle looks they get on their faces. And I know I'm going to mispronounce her name. So I apologize. I'm so bad at pronouncing names. Period. But the actress that plays Zora. Shahad, I don't know how. I'm sorry. Shahadi. Right? Joseph. She is. Oh my gosh. She is so good in the scene. When they're out on the street. And she's getting ready to run. And she's doing the stretching. And yeah. she's as the tethered. And she's got this. The smile on these. On all the tethered faces are just. The creepiest smiles in the world it's but terrifying. that smile she gets right there is just it's like bone chilling and also just even playing the non-tether just playing the above ground person is she's amazing too as zora and then evan alex as as, as jason is just he's just so good such a good actor you know because you know it can be hit and miss sometimes with child actors i think But they are both just so incredibly talented and so gifted. And, you know, that's a that's a huge, huge job to take on for anyone.
2: Especially with the
1: two roles, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I always wonder about kids in horror movies and like the filming of it, because obviously they don't have to show everything that you're exactly reacting to and whatnot. But like, I feel like it would be traumatic to even to have just acted in a horror movie.
1: Well, I know when, when we entered, we just, we recently interviewed Brian Boswell, who, you know, is most famous for being in uh, family ties and playing the young, you know, the young kid that they have later on in life. How am I forgetting The blonde one? Yes. (laughs) The blonde kid? I don't don't remember his name either. (laughs) But he played, because I interviewed him at the Colorado Horror Festival and he was there because he played a really bad, like a bad seed kind of kid in a horror movie. And I asked him about that. I asked him, you know, was that difficult as a kid? Cause his mom got a lot of his parents were like giving a lot of crap about that and said, you should never have your kid do this. And he said, no, it was fun. He's like, it was so much fun. He's like, because I knew I had been on set so long. I knew this wasn't real. Yeah. I knew this was fake. So it was more fun than anything. And I actually like horror movies. So that made it more fun. So I I think it probably depends on the set and the way the set sets it up, (laughs) so to speak. (laughs) (laughs) Because I know for some of them when they're doing really, like I've I've read stories when they're doing really intense stuff, like the kids don't actually see some of that stuff. Right. Like the way they shoot it so that they don't have to, you know, actually see
2: someone be beheaded, you know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes.
1: Yeah, but I think just because, you know, if they've been in the business at all, they probably know, you know, it's pretty, when when you work on a film set, when you get on a film set, you know, when I was in film school that it ruined movies for a while because- It's so technical. It's so, I mean, that's yeah. why I say it's a miracle a movie ever gets made because everything, one little two minute scene can take you like hours to just mm-hmm. shoot because you're shooting different angles. You have to make sure everything kind of matches up You could have sound issues, you could have other issues, and it kind of blows the mystery just goes out the window, so you no longer have that kind of thing, so it's like, it kind of blows, the the mystique goes away of films at first, but yeah, but that's why it's amazing they ever get made, so there's (laughs) lots of people working behind the scenes, remember that. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. That's why you should pay for your
2: movies. And your streaming services.
1: (laughs) That, and also I say that because we've we've talked a few times recently about IHC and supporting that union and Mm -hmm. remembering that it's not just directors and producers and big stars, that it's, you know, you have that whole crew there too. So, yeah. Yeah. So it is a miracle. But yeah, I do wonder that too. And I wonder, you know, I was wondering about Lupita and, and her voice and I wonder if she hurt her like how she did that without hurting her
2: voice well i i actually read an article on that because i was curious and um she had a a voice trainer to work with her so that she she wouldn't hurt her voice because she knew she's like i've got to do the scenes where i talk like a a normal human who's been above ground and so yeah she she went through a lot of like she had a voice coach and everything for that so Mm
1: -hmm. yeah Well, like most horror movies, uh, this is talking about a lot of stuff. I think this film has a lot to say about race, class, and the 80s. I think that's another big part of this is the 80s. And not just because you're showing like Hands Across America, although that is a big thing that's shown in here, but also a little bit of trivia. In the opening scene when they're at the boardwalk, uh, and they mention there's a movie being shot. Do you know which movie it is that was being shot at that time period in reality?
2: 80s on the boardwalk in.
0: Oh, no, no. I feel like I should, though. i would say Jaws, but I feel like there was no nope. boardwalk in Jaws,
1: so not Jaws. The Lost Boys. Oh, oh, yes. So that's the movie that was actually shooting, and that's kind of what that was in reference to, was because they were You want to go be an extra? Yeah. <laughs> So I want to get your thoughts on what you think this film is saying about all those things, about race, about class and about the 80s. And even if you want to comment about Hands Across America, too, Bex.
2: Yeah, I mean, it goes back to this idea that the opportunities that we have in life are everything, really. You know, what people have access to impacts how their life is going to sort of turn out. And I mentioned at the beginning, but having this sort of upper middle class family uh was was really important because it drove home the privilege that they had without it necessarily having to be about race right it wasn't oh you know the wilson family mm-hmm. versus the tyler family it was the wilson's versus themselves right or a version of themselves in the tethered so there's a lot of a lot of privilege in that i think the line when when they ask, what are you? And Red answers, We're Americans. Like yeah. that it, it's saying like we're the same as you.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But we're not. And here are the reasons why, or well, like we see what the reasons are throughout. The um the hands across America bit with the everyone in the red jumpsuits holding hands. It's like <laughs> it adds an added layer of creepiness, but when you're watching that commercial in the beginning of the film, if you look closely, you can see little Addie's reflection in that mm-hmm. TV. And so it's not just him show like uh, Jordan Peel putting that on at the beginning to, to set us in the time, but actually, like this is something that she was taking in, right? You know, this is what she remembers as like this attempt at equality from her childhood like oh everybody's the same let's hold hands and and i get along kind of thing and so i think that's why it's part of the inspiration for her obviously she has the t-shirt that's under her thriller t-shirt mm-hmm. as well so she she brings that with her to the underground i mean i saw this film it was just a film it's about oppression the human condition the american experience classism marginalization I do think race is a part of it, but I don't think race is the primary thing in in this film. Whereas like Get Out, it clearly was, yeah. right? That was in your face, here we go. But again, you had you know, this black kid versus this white girl and her family in that film. Whereas here it's them against themselves. And so I thought it spoke more to like socioeconomic status, than anything else, and and just access poverty. If, you know, the the father's educated at Howard, but the guy in the underground, like he doesn't have the same. Like even if he had to sit through these classes that <laughs> that mm-hmm. um, that Gabe sat through, he didn't actually have the materials to learn. He didn't have the language to to understand it. You know, it sort of shows this duality of american society i guess um you know some some can live on top in society while others are trapped in this cycle of poverty and like literally living underground in this case makes me think about um parasite oh that's where, an interesting
1: mm-hmm. where like
2: the the wealthy family lives up on the hill and the the yeah. poor family not only do they live down hill but they live underground like their their apartment is underground so i don't know huh yeah you know i think it shows how we can ignore the the consequences or the rewards of privilege that there's a cost to the things that we get the things that we think we deserve and and that's usually at the expense of the marginalized right so like I think I deserve to have nice clothes that don't cost a lot of money. So what does that mean? It means somebody's making low wages to create that clothing for me or, you know, whatever. There's tons of examples. And I think it's one of those things that it's, we really need to recognize that a good part of our privileges come from luck. You know, it's what we had handed down to us it's what we had access to what makes my life different living in this country versus another country me having white skin versus someone having black skin me being you know whatever fill in the blanks with all those things but it's not we can't just believe we deserve these things and that's and and so we're good and we can go about like not thinking about anyone else or the consequences of what we have that's a lot I had a I had the most no, for that that answer. no that was
1: great no that was that was really and the parasite thing I hadn't even thought about that but that's yeah, a really yeah. interesting I, comparison
2: again just came up as I was speaking <laughs> I was like wait up and down
1: <laughs> well yeah yeah and I mean where they live literally gets flooded with water and yeah yeah that, mm-hmm. that's a great movie go watch that movie that yes movie. <laughs> yeah yeah and and Kim your thoughts
0: for me, I remember reading articles and um, Jordan Peele was like, this is not a movie about race, but like everything's about race. So yeah. I feel like it took place more off screen. Like for me, like as a black woman, seeing this movie cast with just this black family and like dark skinned black family, that's not something you usually see. It's usually like, mm-hmm. at least one of the kids is like, it would be actors or biracial, and, like there's lighter skin, but like they were all dark skinned They all had natural hair and that's like not something you usually see. So like for me like the representation of that was amazing and i feel like a lot of people like get out let white people come in and like see this world and they're like okay i like this director i feel like there's an idea that if it's a movie that has an all-black cast or a mostly black cast white races or 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 other people will think oh that's not for me Mm -hmm. and i think this was like a this is a horror movie that happens to feature black people this is not a movie that's specifically for black people. This movie is for anyone who enjoys horror. So I think race came into play that way. Yeah, And I I think clearly lots of people like it of different races and I I like what it did for the genre and for opening that world of like, just because there's black people in it and you're not black, it doesn't mean it's not for you. Like this is for anyone. Um, I love that. I also like what Rebecca said about um, the we're Americans. The tethered are lower class they're like the forgotten part they, they get straps she talks about how um red talks about how her kids had to play with she had to play with toys that were like you know cut her and were just terrible and it's like you can only deal with terrible conditions for so long before you rise up mm-hmm. and the power of oppression and a good leader and like that's how they got to where they are like i feel like the 80s were the time of like greed you know yes and just like wastefulness and i think about it if if adelaide would wouldn't have been so greedy and would have taken red with her and it would have been like these two twins are now topside would they have gotten where they were Hmm. like she was really greedy in that way and she kind of caused her own problems she could have shared the wealth and taken her her doppelganger topside And like, we'll have to explain this some way, but like you're here now and you're free and you're no longer oppressed. And like I helped you, but she didn't do that. She just kind of like stole her privilege in that way. And
2: But at the same time, like anyone who's in that position is going to want to get a hold of the access to whatever it is Mm -hmm. at any cost they can if they've been pushed that far. Right. And And she had been pushed in the underground her the living conditions were such that it was an extreme enough for her to just be like, I need to survive whatever it takes for me to survive.
0: I just feel like it's not like, you know, it's not pie. Like there's enough for everyone, especially in a place like America. Like there could have been a sharing of that wealth and the Mm -hmm. idea that like, I can't share it. It's all for me. And if you have any, then that means I'm going to have a bad time. It it doesn't exist. Like they could have coexisted. And yeah, I mean, Red could have just been like, okay, you go this way, I go that way, and like now you're above ground and you can have a great life too. I, I, I don't just know that it.
2: sounds that sounds too much like socialism.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what's wrong with socialism? Exactly, go socialism. Sorry. Woo. <laughs> yeah. Well, really, what it is a reflection of is capitalism. That's yeah. capitalism, yes. right there. Mm-hmm. Capitalism is all about me, 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 and it's yeah. not about helping people, and that's. I think what we're seeing so much right now in society with the pandemic and everything mm-hmm. after that is what capital, the, everything we're seeing are the symptoms of capitalism because capitalism to me, that's the disease. And what we're seeing now is, are the symptoms. That's why, you know, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a socialist. I'm going to say it. I, I, I'm all for that. <laughs> I think capitalism is evil. I yeah. think that's, what's destroying our country. But anyway, sorry. I'm, <laughs> sorry. Don't you can that. that, Kim. Sorry. <laughs> But like yeah, I, him was
2: saying the 80s is the perfect representation well, yeah, right? of yeah. this of this period. And and we go through waves of it, you know. It's not like the 80s was the only time we were mm. greedy and materialistic. It just happens to be uh have come like a full pendulum swing, I guess, from the whole like 60s free love and everybody, like don't have war, like make love not war kind of mm. movement. Mm-hmm um you see that sort of extreme shift and um but when we think about you know she was a kid in the 80s so what her parents lives were like and and the parents of Addie were products of the 80s that like were all about material goods material whatever and and so she was raised with that and am i trying to say here i like i had a train of thought it was you know she she was raised with that mentality so she doesn't actually know anything different
0: Mm -hmm.
2: to even i maybe that's all moot because Because
0: she is actually
2: red and not adelaide but yeah anyway i'll let that go i'm sorry just chop that whole bit out
0: (laughs) no i think you were going somewhere because red being down there knowing nothing at her core she's greedy, right? Like that's your basic us survival. Survive- yeah. It's, this is for me. And like, you can't have any. And like, I need to take care of myself. And that's what you get when you don't interact with people. Cause the tether don't really interact with each other. Like as much as they're with each other, they don't really interact. Yeah. So she didn't learn about like caring and sharing and being able to take care of other people. So your most human instinct is, is all she knew. And it was to, to take and, she took this life essentially. Mm-hmm. I think you were going somewhere.
2: Okay, yes. thank you. <laughs> you helped me get there. See, this is why this is why we're podcast partners
1: <laughs> and real life friends. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. No, that's 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 very true. That's very true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I do think. I mean, I think. Yeah, I can I can see. I think Jordan Peele was definitely like, okay, this isn't going to be. I, I think for him, he's like, okay, they're gonna pigeonhole me in in Hollywood since I'm a black man, as everything I make is about race. But it is true, like you said, Kim, everything is about race. Class is about race. It involves race. Yeah. It all it all peers through there. The '80s. I mean, ev- everything. You know, so everything kind of kind of peers in there. Did you have Did you have more to say on class or the '80s or anything else, Kim?
0: I don't, I had to okay. like do some googling about. Uh, <laughs> um, Hands Across America, because I was like, I don't know what this is at all. Like, even watching the movie, I was like, I, I was born in 86, so I'm just like, I don't know what this oh, is. Oh, okay. So I had to, like, Google about it. And apparently, like, you had to pay to be part of Hands Across America. Yeah, like $10. And, yeah, like, most charities, like, the, the money was, like, misused, so mm-hmm. it didn't do any good at the end. so I was like, well, I guess these people, the tethered killing people and lining up is, like, just as useless as Hands Across America was.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of those, it was a lot of, there were a lot of things like that in the 80s, you know, like, uh, well, there was the start of Farm Aid, which started Mm -hmm. with like Willie Nelson and John Cougar Mellencamp or John Mellencamp now. And that is still going on and that was to benefit farmers. And I'm not saying that was a bad thing because that's actually doing a lot of things, but there was also comic relief, like I think started around in the 80s. And so you had a lot of things like this going on. And of course you had, um, we are the world, you know, when that was sung Oh yeah, (laughs) and that kind of stuff. So I think it was like the eighties was such a time of greed and people think that it was also a time of like a lot of affluence. And while that was true for some people, I know for me personally being raised by a single mom, we definitely were not part of that group. Yeah. But I had a lot of friends that were I knew a lot mm-hmm. of people that were very wealthy, but I knew a lot of people that were very poor or middle class or stuff like that. And and I think you also had in the 80s and we talked about this on Poltergeist, actually, uh, you had families that, you know, you had parents that were in the 60s that were from the 60s and now they had kids and. It was like you had a lot of people from the 60s become like yuppies. And so, you know, or they call, they're they called yippies because they were hippies and they became yuppies. <laughs> so you had a lot of people that were supposed to like kind of save, quote unquote, save the world and ended up just falling back into the system or paying into the system. So then you had like my generation, you had Generation X, which we were like, which I still think we're like the forgotten generation, frankly. But we were kind of the latchkey kids and we were raising ourselves yep. and we were questioning why. That's why so much music was angry. So many there's a lot of angry music then, you know, like Nirvana and and stuff like that. Um, and nine-inch nails and smashing pumpkins and things like that. It was a lot of, you know, it was like we were raised by people that were supposed to change the world, and here we are living in this horrible world. And we had war going on once, you know, the Gulf Wars. So all that kind of stuff. I know that sounds like a tangent, but I think that's kind of what this is also commenting Ooh, on: uh, is that then you'd have things like this with Hands Across America that were supposed to be so hopeful.
2: Look, we're but it was all a scam.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I was gonna say. I think I think yeah. a
2: lot of yeah. the charitable efforts of the '80s were very performative. Yeah. You yes. know, like um, and and like you were saying, Aaron, that's that the music, the art, the Just the mentality that came out of that for those of us who were, you know, I I was born in 81. So I'm like one of those cusp kids. (laughs) Um, But I was a latchkey kid for sure. Um, uh, There's, you just got mad that like, this is the world that we got. And yet we didn't have the tools to do anything with it because it was so performative before then. So we had to create those tools, I guess.
1: Uh, because you did, you you look at that now. You look at uh, with with Black Lives Matter, and when that first started, everybody changed their profile mm-hmm. like, to just black square, and it was oh, like yeah. for a few weeks that's all people did. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm talking about white people. <laughs> that's all we did. A lot of white people, a lot of us. That's what we did. I wish we just said, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to say this. We're going to say Black Lives Matter, and we're not. But we're not going to do anything. We're not going to fall up because it'll make us look good. It's it's. I mean a lot of white liberalism is like that. A lot of it is that performative nature of. Right.
2: And that's why I think it was a perfect time for this film to come out because we have Mm. hit that part point in the cycle again, that we are very much like doing a lot of the things that we did in the eighties. I mean, not exactly, you know, we learn a little bit and then we get worse in other parts, but Mm -hmm. yeah, there's a, a lot of parallels there.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. No, I, I love this conversation by the way. (laughs) (laughs) no see that's what that's what good art should do and good movies should do and yeah yeah Yeah, and and i do want to go back a little bit to what you were saying kim with with the fact that you know people do think that white audiences will not go and see a film that is not predominantly white when white people say where are we and i'm like um we are everywhere Everywhere else (laughs) 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 there's enough of us around please yeah so I mean, so I think it, it. I think that is something that, unfortunately, studios and in Hollywood, they do think that's true, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm glad, like a movie like this and like Candyman and stuff, mm-hmm. were successful. Especially Candyman, I think is more important just because that was directed by a black woman. Once again, mm-hmm. even though Jordan Peele produced it, co wrote it, he did not direct that one. I always want to stress that everyone it's thinks he did. did. I don't know I why. Know. <laughs> Well. Did you notice that her
0: Adelaide's dad is Candyman? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh. yeah. I haven't seen I, the
2: new one yet. I, I watched. I, I've only seen the
0: original. Yeah. I watched it again, and I was like, "Where do I know that guy from?" And I was like, "Oh my god, Candyman!" Yeah. Okay, now how
1: many <laughs> okay, times that's have you twice.
0: said that? <laughs> no, I think
1: it's three total because I said it once. Oh it's five. It's you can say more than five. Yeah, it's per yeah.
2: person, right? <laughs> it's per
1: person. Yeah. I don't know. When we record we did an episode on that. Um, I'm not gonna say the name again. Yeah. And we it was really funny because we were trying to think of different ways to say it. the <laughs> <Same. laughs> name. So, the
2: evil Willy Wonka. Like yeah. what
1: <laughs> like sugar, sugar right, cane.
3: <laughs> 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 Lots of different S- names we can <laughs> He was a snack. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah but i so i think it is important when they do that's why we have to go support mm-hmm. these movies to make sure because everybody deserves to see themselves on screen and uh, i mean it doesn't it uh, doesn't doesn't matter i mean you know that's, i know it's
0: it shouldn't but it, it, it shouldn't but it doesn't well people, that's why yeah, it, um it yeah. Yeah. vampires
2: versus the bronx Oh, yeah, that's oh,
1: great. It was,
0: so
2: it was so good, but I wish yeah. it had been a theatrical release, but I mean, did it come yeah. out during the pandemic? I don't even remember now.
1: I don't remember. because Everything a is a blur. Movie, so oh, it was a I Netflix
2: don't... movie, so yeah. it just went to Netflix. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, you know, that, like, seeing the representation in that film mm-hmm. and, and just, like, the storyline itself was kind of like, okay, yeah, you know, it's a vampire story. It's about um, capitalism and sucking the... And gentrification. Gentrification. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but the story didn't have to be complex. It was just being able to see that story told
0: exactly with bodies that we haven't seen that story told mm-hmm. with before. I think the same thing is true of uh, Crazy Rich Asians. Like, a lot mm-hmm. of people expected... I, I remember reading reviews like, Well, this is just some romantic comedy. It's like, yeah, it is. But it's people we don't normally see in romantic comedies. And it's funny and it was good. It didn't have to, you know, like break the the break like the movie mold. Like this was just a film and it was very good. It didn't have to be
2: exactly a story about like so we this comes up a lot in the the Latinx community. It didn't have to be a story about the woes of the Latinx community. It was Mm -hmm. just a story. Yeah. that happens yeah. to have latinos in it like mm-hmm. let it happen it doesn't have yeah. to be like yeah i think that and a lot of the response to that kind of thing comes from white audiences who are expected to expecting to have their hand held to learn about the experiences of people yeah. different from themselves
0: like their guide through the asian community and they were disappointed <laughs> that they didn't get that <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or... or some sort
0: of like Asian pain. Like, right. Then, yeah. There's a lot of black yeah. pain that happens in things yeah. and I'm kind of over it. Like I, I, this movie was great because it wasn't, there was no slavery. There was no, you know, no one was raped or anything. Like it wasn't about black people having a horrible time because white people had a horrible time too. Like they were also murdered. So I, I like the idea of just having a movie with a diverse cast and it's not mm-hmm. about the fact that they're, their race.
1: Right. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, it's not trauma porn, basically. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. not like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's and and you don't have like a white savior come in either. Ooh, yeah. I that's
0: what I I I thought that that's what uh that family was going to be Elizabeth Month's family, but then I remembered who the director was and I was like, "Oh, that's not awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was like, if oh, it had he's been... gonna get on their boat and save them, and it's like, oh no! <laughs> yeah, if it had been
1: a white director, it probably would have been focused more on Elizabeth Moss's family anyway. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so you know, or and writer too. That's why it's important not just to have representation in front of the camera, but behind mm-hmm. and at every level, because yeah,
2: absolutely, including makeup
0: and hair. Yes, Oh, yeah, <laughs> and they did a really good job with makeup and and lighting. The lighting in this movie is fantastic. It's so good. Like the skin tone, like reflects really well. Like it's, it's really good.
1: Yeah, I appreciate. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I agree. I agree. Well, we've already kind of talked about the ending that it is revealed that Adelaide was actually originally the tethered, originally red, and then when they were kids, she basically kidnapped her other version, her up on above ground version made her stay down there and then came up and lived her life out. So what are your thoughts on that ending? Bex, did you like the ending?
2: I, I loved the ending because I love endings that don't wrap things up in tiny, like tidy little bows. Like I, I love an open ended make you think about what could happen next, but I also don't need a sequel kind of endings. (laughs) You know, it wasn't so open ended in that regard. What fascinated me was this idea of like, okay, so throughout the whole movie, we're rooting for these above ground versions, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because, well, the underground people are coming with scissors and trying to stab them and murder them. So, of course, you're, you're v- rooting for the others who are seemingly unaware of, of this situation. But in the end, it is actually the one who was originally the above ground Adelaide, the, the little girl. She mm-hmm. was originally above ground and she's the one who gets killed. And it is the tethered who is now or and has been above ground and and, and lives and survives and gets to be out in the world. And it's kind of like, OK, Underground Addie was definitely not their mother, not Gabe's wife. Not, <laughs> you know, she she had lost, I'm going to assume, like 30 years of her life to this underground world so can you really root for her but also she was a victim in the beginning who's just trying to fight back so like not not having a clear cut like oh yay i'm glad they killed her because she was the bad guy like i i love that gray area um and and this like idea of nature versus nurture comes Uh, into play, which is interesting. And I think it may be in terms of like adopted children or foster children or something like that, where you spend part of your life in one situation and then your, your circumstances change and you're given different uh, conditions to live in for later parts of your life. You don't forget what happened in those formative years. Um, You don't forget that you didn't have or that you used to have or that you know whatever it is so i think i think that was really fascinating this idea of, of nature versus nurture because they each had a little bit of both in them uh mm-hmm. they both had some underground to them and they both had some like topside, <laughs> to use <laughs> supernatural terms <laughs> um, <laughs> you know the the above ground for, and and it's weird because I don't know whether to call her Red or Adelaide like I don't know yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. but the the one who who was there from ages eight on or I think she was eight right
1: I believe ah,
2: something like that so, the one who was there from from like childhood on she had these opportunities and was able to improve we see that she mm-hmm. was nurtured in a way that she never could have been nurtured without access to you know good food good toys you know whatever it was an education um but to me hands down the creepiest part is that that look that she gives jason in that last scene where she's just like she grins at him with that creepy she's underground trying. grin even though she's not you know it's just and he knows but he also is like well what do i do because this is my mom but like yeah. my mom yeah puts the mask yeah. down and is like nope gonna hide right now not gonna not gonna deal with this <laughs> can't cope <laughs> i loved the ending
1: though absolutely loved it yeah And know kim you said in the beginning you were disappointed that you were correct is that because you didn't like the ending or just because you had figured it out so quickly
0: so i didn't like the ending at first because i felt like bamboozled I had been rooting for this person who turned out to be the villain. And I feel like that's why I, I talked to other people who were like, oh, I don't know if I liked it. But like, as I watched it again, and as I like sat with it, I did like the ending. Um, it felt like Adelaide caused her own problems. And I really liked the idea of that. Um, if she wouldn't have tried to leave where she was, they wouldn't have been in the situation they were in. Like she would have never known, you know, this family yeah. and this life. Um, so I did really like the ending. I liked how there were hints to it all along. Like I noticed this thing where like she was wearing all white and like as the night went on, she got redder and redder and like her jumpsuit, her outfit kind of almost looked like their jumpsuit at the end. And like she became them. Like she mm-hmm. became very, or she kind of like code switching. Like she was her regular self and then became very feral like how she was as a child, especially when she kills um one of the twins uh, at Elizabeth Moth's house she's grunting and she's growling and then jason sees her too and it's just she straightens up and he's like we have to get out of here and then at the end where she kills red it's hyper violent it's so violent because she stabs her and that could be the end of it she could just you know watch her die but she decides to like wrap her arms around her neck and like chokes her like she breaks her neck like Mm -hmm. it's just so violent but it seemed like she was making a point like this is what happens when you try to rise above your station. Like, you should be here. Um, so I did really like the ending, but it was also terrifying. And it's like, what is anything? That's <laughs> how I felt when it was over. I was like, we've been lied to What is anything? But I loved it. I loved it. I loved that feeling of it didn't just leave me. Like, it was like a day later that I was just like, oh, like, if she was this from the beginning, it wouldn't have been like this. And it, it took days to, like, settle. And I love movies like that. Like it did not lead me right away. Yeah. So I think it was a fantastic movie. And I love the ending.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I loved a lot of that analysis from both of you. It's just really, really great analysis analysis of it, excuse me, because yeah, I I remember I loved the ending when I saw it because I I like endings like that. Uh, sometimes twist endings can be too much. I'm looking at you, M. Night Shyamalan.
2: Oh. <laughs> it was good in the Sixth Sense. After yeah. that, you don't yeah. love the village so much.
1: Oh gosh! Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, because then it can become like a um, a little annoying and a cliche. And but also,
2: you and end in, up spending but... too much time trying to figure out the exactly. trick ending for for instead another, of enjoying yeah. the movie. Mm-hmm. That's the other
1: thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it worked really well in this. I think it was very clever. And I think when you go back and watch it again, you are, cause you already know the twist. So you're already looking for those little hints and those little things and, you know, like the grunting and everything like that, that, that kind of hints to that. Um, and it does lead to a question where you are questioning yourself. If you can still root for this character after what you know, because at the same time, even though she did this horrible thing, she's raised these amazing kids. Mm -hmm. She seems to be a good mother. She seems to be a good wife. So it is kind of this, you have to kind of question that and go, okay, well, but should I support her because she did this Mm -hmm. horrible thing and she viciously murdered the person that she did this horrible thing to. But yet that person had changed too, because they were down in captivity basically. I mean, you know, so, It's hard. It's hard. It's a hard thing. And I like that. I like morality when you're trying to question your morality and what you would do in that situation. And I think for her son, Jason, that is the biggest question right there is, can I still trust my mom? Can I still love my mom? Is my mom someone that will still protect me? And I think that's part of the reason he pulls down the mask is that Mm -hmm. shield and protection because he's not sure what to do either. And the creepiest smile, though, in the whole movie is Adelaide as a kid in the backseat of the car when Ooh, her parents yeah. are talking, and you see that smile? Oh my gosh! <laughs> so creepy. That was Very creepy.
2: Creepy children are creepy, yes, like the creepiest.
1: <laughs> yep, yep. We've talked about it a lot on this podcast, actually, is how creepy kids are creepier than anything
2: else. Yes,
1: and that smile was bone chilling. Seriously, it was just oh my gosh. Yeah, Madison Curry plays the played that role, the young Adelaide, and she was incredible too but yeah yeah, just the way she did that smile and her parents are all distressed in the front seat or not really technically her parents so that was yeah yeah Yeah. so it, it is it is a question of you know can you still support this person would you still want the rest of her family to be with her knowing this so you do wonder i'm glad I mean, I would never want a sequel to this, so I'm glad we will never have that answer. No, <laughs> I'm hoping we'll never have that answer. I don't know. So unnecessary. It, mm, it would be so terrible. I, yeah. I don't want. Yeah,
0: it's so. It's much better up to your interpretation than. Like,
2: what do they do with all the tethered that are just holding hands across I know. America still? Yeah.
1: Like, yeah, it's well, really scary. you see the helicopter flying above, so you don't know. Mm-hmm. If maybe something's gonna happen there. You don't know, and I like that better yes. than if everything had been peachy keen at the end, or mm-hmm. even if everything had been horrible at the end. I think it was better to leave it open ended so that, you know, you know what I like about this movie is it treats the audience like the audience is intelligent and smart, so yes. it's not dumbing yeah. down things for the audience, mm-hmm. and I think you know, if you can be a willing, if you can be a participant in what you're viewing, I think that makes a difference. So yeah. Amazing. It's incredible. Yeah. Well, this wasn't on the outline, but since we have some time, I just wanted to know Bex because this was written, directed by Jordan Peele and Jordan Peele is an amazing addition to this genre, I think in general. And he also, I want to say in every movie, and I think I think comedy is a great thing to add in horror anyway i think comedy and horror go really well together so he does add that in because of his comedic background but what would you i mean are you because he's doing another movie right now is it called nope i think so yes yes and because um yeah because daniel clue is coming back and Mm. which i'm excited about that because we've raved about him on a couple episodes
2: isn't there like a thing though with him and or not just him but the idea of like british black actors playing african-american characters is that like a that's like a thing right
0: i know the only time i heard about it was with um oh i can't remember the actress's name but she played harriet tudman and she's british and people were mad about that but cynthia arivo arivo yes. yeah, mm-hmm. something, yeah, very similar. Um, people were mad about that, but I don't, I don't know. It's it's a black person getting a role as a black person. I'm 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 always gonna be fine with yeah. that. So, and I mean, Daniel Clay is a really good actor. So Ugh. I don't care where he's from. He's such a good actor. <laughs>
1: yeah, and talk about dreamy. Yeah. Plus, plus, when you get to hear his accent too, Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes. that makes him even more dreamy. <laughs> Yeah, he's 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 oh my gosh, he's so incredible. So so I'm excited about that one. So so Bex, are you a huge fan of what he has done so far in this So Is far, yes, that?
2: and I would definitely go see another one that he wrote and directed uh as well as produced, you know, like when he produces it it's it's kind of like you get that with Guillermo del Toro, like sometimes he produces movies that he's not really as involved in and they're like Okay, but they use his name to sell it and I think they're doing that a lot with Jordan Peele as well and not to say that those movies aren't good. I'm sure many of them are but um, he's given me two works so far that I absolutely trust. I never get to see his version of the Twilight Zone because that's a streaming service I don't have but I yeah, I would either. I would definitely you know, unless I heard everything was terrible like from reviewers uh, black reviewers <laughs> Then I would probably go see it without any questions, really.
0: Yeah. Kim? Okay. Same. I'm basically gonna see anything he puts out. Yeah. And that movie we were talking about, nope. Like it's got Kiki Palmer in it. It's got Stephen Ewan. Like, yeah, it's awesome. gonna be good. It's I. Even if it's not, I'm gonna go see it. Like he has my money indefinitely. Like, <laughs> he's so great. talking about capitalism.
1: You take Talk my money. <laughs> take my money. It's totally fun.
3: Take my money. <laughs>
1: yeah no d- ditto ditto and i don't know if you've seen you should look up the poster did you did you see the poster back for or no yeah did you no. see you saw it yeah because yeah, it almost looks like i don't know if i mean it gives you aliens? the feeling of like aliens
0: <laughs> yeah there's like a kite thing i i'm, very I'm not interested. saying it's aliens but it's aliens yeah no. so. i'm yes <laughs> super, i like that it has a release date already and i don't know anything about it besides this poster and three people uh-huh. who are in it like but, like, I take my money. Like, should I request that day off from work so I can
1: just go see him? <laughs> should I request that day off from work?
0: <laughs>
2: well, the, the perk
1: of the perk of um,
2: in being in New York, you know, is we usually get to see them on Thursdays if we yeah. want to. So, like, right yeah. after work, you can go. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, we get that, too. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it is. It's in post-production. So yeah yeah I, i'm excited for it yeah ditto all of that i think and i
2: think i might go back to the downtown brooklyn cinema to see it instead of seeing it in, in my neighborhood
0: <laughs> I, sh- I usually see things at alamo so like there's not a lot of reaction like allowed you know people have to be quiet yeah. there um and i feel like i do miss the uh the natural audience like I'm energy out about yeah i miss that but i I like the snacks and the reclined seats at Alamo, but yeah, I think maybe I'll
1: go see it once somewhere else
0: and then see it like again at Alamo. There you go. Yeah.
1: I mean, that does make a difference. I think, I think with horror more than anything, horror yeah. is something that's really fun to see with a large audience that's mm-hmm. reacting to it. I don't know. I think that's like uh, seeing Halloween kills recently, with the big audience was fun. And yeah. then like one of the funnest ever was seeing Freddie versus Jason with a packed audience. That was hilarious because you could tell who was rooting for Jason and he was rooting for. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: not horror, but um, I recently saw the new Ghostbusters movie at oh. Comic Con mm-hmm. in New York, and it was that same thing. Everybody went to that panel, whether like I didn't know we were going to watch the whole movie. That was a surprise to me, but um, everybody went to that panel because they were Ghostbusters fans. So you had that energy in the audience already that you might not have in just a small theater with like 50 people or 30 people or whatever. And so I feel like that's going to be the same thing with a Jordan Peele film in some of the more traditional theaters. Because I also go to, it's not Alamo, but it's a similar like one of those dinner movie yeah. Theaters because it's in walking distance to my house, so of course I'm going to go there. But I think I make an exception for this one and see it in a, a larger theater.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, how was Ghostbusters, by the way?
2: It's awesome. It's got. Really? Uh, I heard got, things about it. I so. I absolutely loved it. I think it's got some great stuff for new fans, and it's got plenty of nostalgia for old fans. So, uh, but no spoilers because. Oh. Well, yeah. <laughs> It hasn't even come out yet, so <laughs> yeah, it's, it's coming out November nineteenth. So if you haven't gotten if if you are thinking about seeing it, weighing your options, I definitely encourage you to do it, especially especially like I can only speak as someone who was a fan of Ghostbusters growing up. Yeah, like it it definitely is gonna hit all the sweet spots for uh, nostalgia,
1: and we are going to be doing an episode talking about Ghostbusters. I haven't decided yet; it'll probably be a patron one a patreon exclusive like bonus episode just to let you know so that's another reason to subscribe and become a patron supporter (laughs) okay well i want to thank both of you so much i thought this was a lot of fun i really enjoyed diving into this movie more so thank you both for being on so we'll go ahead and close out and bex if you just want to tell everybody where they can be found and then the podcast that you and kim yeah yeah
2: um so you can find me uh i'm on twitter all the time on one of my many many accounts Uh, (laughs) 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 um yeah i live i live there but my regular posts just for me are at a single man tier which is a supernatural reference but my profile Mm -hmm. stuff is all ted lasso right now i just can't bring (laughs) myself to change my handle (laughs) 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 Uh, And I couldn't bring myself to open another account. So that's what's happening there. Uh, I actually host two podcasts. So aside from the one that I host with Kim, I host a podcast called Latinx Visions. It is a Latinx uh, literature, film, television analysis that I do with a colleague of mine at Brute College. We're both professors in the Black and Latino Studies Department. Uh, so you can find us at Latinx Visions on that. And I do the Twitter for our podcast, which is Big Reputations, and the handle for the Twitter is at Big
0: Rep Pod.
2: Kim does the Instagram, though. (laughs) I I
0: live on Instagram as you live on Twitter. Uh, So my Instagram handle is Plaints underscore NYC. So I'm there constantly. Um, but I also do our big reputations one. And that one is big reputations pod. So we post a lot of stuff about our podcast on there. Too.
2: Yes, we yeah. you said this episode is coming
1: out Friday, Friday, mm-hmm. This Friday. Yep.
2: Okay, right. So yes, we yep. have an episode that just came out this week on Anne Boleyn if you want mm-hmm. to check that awesome. out.
1: Awesome. Yeah, because your podcast covers a lot of uh, women in, who, who may have a reputation, right, mm-hmm. through history. Yes. Like, did you do a Monica Lewinsky one, too? We did, yeah. That was
0: yeah. our first episode we did. That was actually what started the whole podcast. Like, we were just like, oh, man, people get such like, a rough break. Like, that's half the stuff that's out about them. is not even true. And we're like, like Monica Lewinsky. And we're like, yeah, we should, like, do a podcast. And it was like, <laughs> oh, let's just see what we do with Monica Lewinsky. And it was so fun to do. And we like uncovered so many great things about her that people don't know. so, and now we have a
2: list a mile long of names. We, we, we do primarily focus on real world women. Mm -hmm. Um, Anne Boleyn is our first venture into uh, anything before the 20th century, but we also do fictional characters now and again, Mm -hmm. and then occasionally we'll take on like a big topic. So we did one on what women wear where we discussed a lot about pockets, <laughs> <And that laughs> um, <has> pockets?
0: <laughs> but <Yeah>. also
2: like <laughs> judging judging women for what they wear in general and why why do we do it and and what sort of access to clothing we have in the first place so there's a, a lot of things we tackle but it primarily focuses on real world women and the the way in which society judge them a bit too harshly without knowing the whole truth.
1: But this is Aaron. You can follow me on Twitter at E.AprilBeauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. I'm still on my Finn Whitrock click kick. I do not foresee this going away anytime soon. We made a YouTube clip. It's titled <laughs> Finn Whitrock Supercut. And <laughs> go to our YouTube channel. I cannot believe I wasted so much time making this. <laughs> but the thing it's it's clips from our red tie discussion, which was basically just the Finn Whitrock show. And we just spent the time talking about Finn Whitrock. And so I, cl- I pieced together little clips from that. It's just like two minutes and like 34 seconds. And then I put a little thing at the end that I literally spent 30 minutes putting together <laughs> in Canva. And I still can't believe I wasted 30 minutes doing that when I should have been doing ed- editing and other stuff. But I hate editing. so <laughs> So, yeah. So I'm still on that kick. I don't know when that will be going away because that's the way I am. I get on a kick and then something else comes along. So who knows? Maybe somebody else's hair will catch my fancy and then I'll (laughs) get on another kick. (laughs) Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one on Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod on TikTok at it's a fandom thing pod. I think Aaron and I are the other Aaron and I are getting very, very good at TikTok sort of. (laughs) We still feel old. I still feel old. I'm kind of addicted to TikTok now, though. Watching other ways. Teach me your weight and...
0: Teach, Teach me your ways. I spent I... three hours making one TikTok, and I was like, we're never doing
1: this again. <laughs> I, I still don't know. The other Erin, um, Erin Amos, who she's she's like my producer now. Mm-hmm. Um, she did like a couple of TikToks that she did spin. She said I spent like two hours making this, but she had fun doing it. I just kind of put up fun little clips mm-hmm. that don't take that long but I still don't get it. I honestly don't, I don't get why certain it's all about hashtags and the music you choose, yeah. I guess, because I've watched videos on there that are like, why does this have over a hundred thousand views Ugh. and 40,000 comments? And it's just someone like literally in the same rain as like putting mayo on your bread. I'm like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, so weird. it's the timing and it's the hashtags. It's so many things that like are involved and
1: it's too much for me i i just too old (laughs) it's so weird it's so yeah yeah, so really old but anyway that's why
2: we need to we need to get a patreon so that we can pay someone to do the tiktoks for there
1: you go (laughs) (laughs) But next week we do have an interview coming up with a writer who wrote a different take on um, Sleepy Hollow, the Sleepy Hollow story. So I guess we're still kind of horror <laughs> for the interview. And then we're going to be talking about going to conventions. So that'll be interesting. Just talking to people that go to conventions a lot and what that experience is like. Uh, conventions are back now. So, yeah, so we'll be talking a lot about that. So that should be fun. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.